0: This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The facts that will be presented are true. Scientists representing the world's foremost research centers took part in the examination of the evidence.
1: Welcome to Paranormal Guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Chad. And we are back for our third show. Number three. Number three. Thrace. Twa. What'd you call me? <laughs> exactly. So, what's been going on the past couple of weeks with you, Chad? Oh, you know, same old, same old. A little bit of this, a little bit of that.
0: Working. I do some things <laughs> with cars. Rico Casey? No. Oh.
1: <laughs> no. It's magic. My best friend's girl. Dangerous type. Who are you going to drive? Well, now the cars are fixed. All I know is we're in the Ohio Valley and it's spring. Well, it doesn't matter. Any time of the year, my sinuses have been killing me. Start to get the sweats What's that got to do with my sinuses? <laughs> You're going to get the sweats When the Ohio Valley it's starting to warm up. Oh, it's going to get you know, very jungle-like.
0: Like when you have to get the spray powder.
1: No. Chafing. Mm-hmm. I got, got contacts. It. Hey, I noticed. Now you got to get some sweet sunglasses. That's right. Ray-Ban. Yeah, we need somebody to donate Ray Bans to the show.
0: Yeah, if anybody'd like to donate Ray Bans, because Chris needs those to keep the show. I need going.
1: UV protection for my eyes. Well, I don't think your eyes need it. I think it's more like the top of your head. Oh, there's nothing there to block the sun. That's mean. <laughs> no. Hey, this is this is my choice. You
0: you voluntarily <laughs> shave your head, All Right. I and mean, you know what? what? It's <laughs> a lot
1: easier. I bet I can go a week without showering. Hmm. Well, you know what? With no hair, you couldn't be a dog man. Which is what we're going to talk about later
0: on. We are. We're going to talk about some dog man.
1: And I, I have lots of questions about that, Chad. Okay. About categories. Okay. But like, we'll get the, we'll get into that later. You want to do a little bit of news? Let's do some news. Let's do some news. What do, you, what do you have here, Chad? Well, I've got a recent story
0: that was pretty shocking. There's actually was a woman that was killed searching for the Pope Lick Monster. And anybody that's unfamiliar with the Pope Lick Monster... That is a monster that likes to lure people to a train track
1: and kill them. Oh, Hmm. I was going somewhere completely different. Oh. (laughs) Thought he had some kind of fascination with Catholic heads of the church.
0: No, no. He doesn't make little hatted candies that he likes to chew on (laughs) while he's watching people in the woods. But, But, um,
1: yeah, we shouldn't joke (laughs) this. Well, yeah,
0: somebody did die, so, you know. Uh, an Ohio woman walking on an old but still active railroad trestle in East Louisville was apparently investigating a local urban legend with her boyfriend when she was hit and killed by a train. Deputy Coroner said Sunday, Raquel Bain, 26, of Dayton, Ohio, died of multiple blunt force injuries, suffered in the collision and subsequent fall from the trestle. Deputy Coroner Jack Arnold said the collision, which occurred near the 3100 block of South Polk Lick, Lick Road, was first reported to the police at 7.30 p.m. Saturday, April 23rd, 2016. Bain was pronounced dead at the scene. The coroner estimated that she fell between 80 and 100 feet. Her boyfriend survived with no injuries, police say. Arnold and Bain and her boyfriend were visiting Louisville to take a haunted tour of Waverly Hills Sanitarium. It's actually a sanatorium, but that's okay. (laughs) Before the tour started, they heard about the Poplic monster myth. Curious, the two made their way up to the train tracks when the train surprised them. The man told the coroner. The man said the two realized they couldn't make it to the end of the trestle, so they decided to hang off the sides, but Bane couldn't move fast enough. Many thrill-seekers mistakenly think the trestle is no longer in use. Author and historian David Domney told Wave 3 News for a story in 2014 that they are drawn to stories of a creature, half-goat, half-man, that tricks people into climbing Onto the trestle, a chained fence and warning signs are in place to keep people away from the area. It's a very dangerous location, Domini said. The LMPD Homicide Unit is handling the investigation.
1: So you were saying earlier, that's one of the goat man's little tricks.
0: Yeah. He lures you up there to the train track, uh, calling your name, showing a light, Mm -hmm. Um, and then once you get up there, you're so mesmerized by this goat man that the train comes along and... Takes you out. And what's funny is the goat man creature isn't just something that's localized to Louisville and is the public monster. There's actually accounts of these goat men in several other states, um, which is kind of weird. You know, it's just, there's a goat man out there and goat he man. likes to go around doing crazy stuff and murdering people.
1: Well, it's either that or eat tin cans.
0: That's true. I know he pees in his own beard. I, what? Yeah, he, he likes to pee in his beard.
1: Okay, well, yeah. I mean, hey, I mean,
0: Billy goats do that. I
1: figure whatever, he do. whatever floats his boat, teach their
0: own. <laughs> oh, goats! You know,
1: wow. So yeah, tra- kind of tragic. Kind of weird. Out, going to have a good time. Go to Waverly, do some stuff, and I don't know why people think that train trestles are abandoned. I mean, you can look at look at the train tracks if they're shiny, if they're not old and rusty. There's trains running on them.
0: Yeah, I think if the, the rails aren't falling apart, there's probably going to be a train coming through there at some point. And you would think you'd notice it, but if you're under the gaze and the hypnotic spell of the goat man, I, I guess not. It's those crazy eyes they've got. It is. They are pretty crazy.
1: Well, Chad, I've got one here. And you you may find this interesting with your, uh, as much into zombies as you are. Mm-hmm. This may upset you a little bit. Oh. This is from Nashville. A Tennessee man said he finds it utterly ridiculous that his homeowners association is ordering him to remove his front yard zombie statue after five years. Well. (laughs) Jim Grinstead said that he and his wife have occupied their Nashville home for nearly nearly ten years and the zombie statue they affectionately dub, Claude, (laughs) Claude. C-L-A-W-E-D, Claude, has been in their front yard for the past five years. He said he was surprised to receive a letter from the Homeowners Association ordering him to do away with the statue, which depicts the head and arms of a zombie climbing out of the ground. During a recent inspection of the community on April 19, 2016, it was noted that there is a zombie in your yard that needs to be removed, the letter reads. At first I was pissed, but then I thought about it a second. For a second, and I said, this is utterly ridiculous, Grinstead told the New York Daily News. Grinstead said that he has never received a complaint about the statue until now. I think the homeowners association needs to lighten up a little bit, Grinstead told WKRN-TV. We have a sense of humor and that is how we want the world to think of us. It's how we think of ourselves. People will stop sometimes and take pictures of Claude. Our friends get a kick out of it when they come over and we've never had a complaint about him. Grinstead says he plans to remove the statue this week Despite his objections I'll take my beating and go ahead and do it He said So he's giving in to the man Wow Homeowner
0: association people are uh, dicks Hey all I can say is Design Toscano wouldn't sell it If you weren't supposed to buy it and put it in your yard Exactly
1: That was probably expensive I bet so It's a piece of art Yeah I mean Somebody somebody made that With their own two little hands But yeah I'm surprised Homeowners' associations, they're like a branch of the Nazis, I think. Yeah, lawn Nazis. Like, you know what, I bought the property, I bought the house. You're not going to tell me I can't put a barbecue grill on my front porch. I and bought a zombie statue. My kid's playhouse has to be the same color as my house, and I can't have naked mud wrestling pool parties in the front yard. At
0: that point, it's a
1: cult. Well. to <laughs>
0: black tennis shoes and wait for the spaceship. A blue oyster cult, <laughs>
1: Do you have any more for us, Chad? (laughs) I do.
0: I have another story. Let's segue. We can't really segue into this from what we were talking about. Segway. Segway, yeah. Over a... Do you have a segue? No. Oh. But I'd like to have one. Well, this story's pretty interesting. (laughs) Now, this is a California man who holds the Guinness World Record for the largest collection of freakish two-headed creatures received recently a baffling specimen from an anonymous person who claims he found it in his backyard in Arizona.
1: Wait, hang on. Mm-hmm. To have the Guinness Book record for most two headed animals, what is it? Like Five? I don't see that no. right here, right off the bat. I mean, <laughs> he,
0: you know, if you got a lot of two headed creatures just sitting around your house, I, I guess. Well, I'm
1: just thinking, you know, what's how many two headed creatures do you have to have to set the record? I don't know. That's but, not really a thing. See, I'd
0: want to count each one as two.
1: I, I think the Guinness people have to decide that.
0: Oh well. So this bizarre creature, which. Todd Ray, who runs the Venice Beach Freak Show in California, describes as an alien form, has left even zoology experts scratching their heads. Mm-hmm. But according to alien and UFO conspiracy theorists, the creature is the latest proof of the existence of extraterrestrial beings. Uh-oh. And as part of efforts to unravel the mystery of the alien form, Ray said he is open to a proposal to conduct a DNA test. He told the Huffington Post that a person who refused to identify himself or give contact details called him some time ago, saying he'd found a strange creature in his backyard in Arizona that could be displayed in Ray's award-winning collection of freakish creatures. Ray was not surprised at the time that the caller did not give any contact details. I get calls like this a lot, he said. He told the anonymous caller that he would like to take a look at the strange specimen. Ray had expected the anonymous caller to send photographs, but instead a few weeks later he received a package that had no contact details when he opened the package, he found a specimen in a jar filled with alcohol.
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: The sender told Ray he found the weird-looking alien form in the backyard in Arizona. Ray still hopes the mystery sender would get in touch to give more details about where and how he found the creature. But the anonymous sender described the creature as having gills under the head and a structure growing out from under its head like a flesh antenna. Oh, oh crap. <laughs> the flesh <laughs> antenna. <laughs> this is the creature he told me about, and is it is stranger than I could have imagined, Ray said. It is truly the most alien creature I've ever seen in my life. It is a mystery to everyone who sees it in person. I don't want to call it an alien, but it's definitely alien in form, he continued. It's about a foot long and has gill-like ear things below the head. <laughs> it's got weird eyes and something out of its mouth that looks like a fleshy fang. The air of mystery surrounding the creature was compounded by scientists who were unable to identify it, but one expert suggested it appeared the creature was assembled from the parts of several other creatures. Christina Simmons of the San Diego Zoo suggested the creature could be an aborted, malformed fetus of any number of species, but it appears to be an amalgam of different tissues. I can't help but notice that the tissue in the head appears to be embedded in the large piece around it. I can't help but notice that the (laughs) tissue in the head appears to be embedded in a large piece around it. Eyes and body do not appear to be from the same source as the facial tissue, the expert added. Experts at the Arizona Game and Fish Department noted the creature had mammalian features and could be a squirrel or the deformed fetus of a pig or a bear. Squirrel, pig, or bear. That's a pretty wide range.
1: Uh, Or alien. Uh,
0: (laughs) Larissa Harding, an official at the department, recommended a (laughs) DNA test to make a positive identification. Scott Waring, a prominent UFO blogger, expressed suspicion that the creature could be a mutant caused by radiation. He also (laughs) suggested it could be the infant of a human-alien hybrid. Oh, no. He speculated further that the features suggest secret genetic manipulation experiments gone wrong. Waring's blog followers also offered a cacophony of suggestions. The weird creature is now...
1: Or cacophony. Is it a cacophony? Yeah.
0: Oh well. Warring's blog followers also <laughs> offered a cacophony of Thank you. Warring's blog followers also <laughs> offered a cacophony. <laughs> <laughs> Warring's blog followers. A... Warring's blog followers also offered a cacophony of suggestions. The weird creatures now on display at the Venice Beach Freak Show run by Todd Ray. The creature is proof there is always something strange under the sun, he said. There is. Now, as soon as I started, as soon as I saw this story and started reading it, and it just mysteriously threw up, I immediately thought Taxidermist Gaff. Well, because. If you're just going to drop off a jar of something smish together, oh, and yeah,
1: not le- no contact information, being all shady about it, and then just going here, have this thing in the mail. Yeah,
0: I think he kind of Mr., Mr. Potato-headed some parts yeah. there. Came up with whatever he wanted. jackalope, <laughs> the the
1: what was the fuzzy trout? Oh yeah, and what, what's the monkey thing they make out of a deer's butt? All the, uh, well, whatever, Burnham Forest monster,
0: whatever you yeah. want it to be. <laughs> it, it's the same thing that Chewbacca tried to eat. Exactly. On indoor. Exactly. It was a butt with teeth sticking out of it. But with tusks. Tusk butt.
1: That's what they call them.
0: Tusk butt. Tusk butt.
1: But I think, uh, who was it? Fleetwood Mac had a song about him.
0: Did they really? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: How'd It Go? <laughs> That's copyrighted. We can't do.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Tusk but
1: so alien fetus thing that could be an alien, a bear, a squirrel, or what was the other one? Squirrel, bear, alien, or alien or uh,
0: lemur? Pig, pig. pig. Oh. It was a pig. So pig, bear, squirrel, alien, lemur, human, alien hybrid. I hope you're going to do a lot of editing on this show. Why? I don't know. <laughs> It Sounds like a lot of mad, <laughs> mad late night ramblings.
1: It's like da ba dee
0: be da 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 Battlefield
1: Earth. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Yes, sir. My final story here for the night, Chad. Yes. You think about when you, when you finally shuffle off this mortal coil. What are they going to do with your remains? I think we both want to be uh, cremated, right? So we don't come back as zombies. I mean, I would probably prefer that. All right. There's somebody else that wanted to be cremated. Two anglers have honored their late fisherman friend by turning his ashes into a bait that snared a monster 180-pound catch. 180
0: pounds? Exactly. God, do you know how long it's been since I've seen 180
1: pounds? I don't know. It's been a while. <laughs> Has it now? Ron Hopper, 64, died from cancer before he could go on a much-anticipated fishing holiday to Thailand with friends Paul Fairbrass and Cliff Dale. While Ron was on his deathbed, the trio agreed Paul and Cliff, both aged 65, should take his ashes to the far east with them and infuse them with a special bait mix to make boilies. I'm assuming that's boilies. some kind of fish bait.
0: I'm surprised they made it to the far east with a bag of their buddy's ashes.
1: <laughs> the two fishermen named the special bait Purple Ronnie and cast off with it on the end of their lines throughout the nine day trip. And their dedication to their late Fred paid off as a whopping Siamese carp, one of the biggest carp fish in the world, took a liking to his ashes. (laughs) Paul and Cliff spent three hours reeling in the monster, and afterwards, when the adrenaline had worn off and they had returned the fish alive and well to the lake, they thanked Ron for making the fishing gods look down on them. Paul said, We were gutted that Ron couldn't come on the trip because he was really looking forward to it. But he was definitely with us when we caught that fish. It seemed like it was destiny. We would use Ronnie to catch one of the biggest fish in the lake. It's what he would have wanted. Cliff added, I'm not a religious person, but it felt spiritual. It was like Ron was there with us. Well, he kind of was.
0: He was there. <laughs> and every time I talk, I would talk to Ron like he was still there the whole time. He was like, Ron, set your ash down. Ron, get your ash over here. Oh.
1: After we <laughs> caught this fish, I looked to the heavens and said, Thank you, Ron. Paul, Cliff, and Ron, all from Hull, East Yorks, went fishing in Thailand last year as a retirement present to themselves and enjoyed it so much they booked a return this April. But Ron, who was a marine engineer, fell ill last December and was diagnosed with aggressive liver cancer by his doctor who gave him just weeks to live. Paul said it gave him enough time to think about what he wanted to do. A few days before he died, he asked us to take his ashes to Thailand and scatter them around the lake because he... Had really happy memories of the place. I told him we would go one better than that and turn him into boilies and catch a big fish with them. He cracked up and said it was a brilliant idea. Ron died on December 22nd and was cremated three weeks later. His widow Judith took half of his ashes to scatter them on a beach in Grenada in the Caribbean, while Paul and Cliff took the other half. So it was a
0: half ash effort on their part.
1: You're 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 going to hell. You know that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, here you go. The pair got permission from the airline to carry the ashes on board in a sealed container and waited until they arrived in Thailand to make the bait mix. The two fishermen used the catch, used them to catch several catfish and a small carp before Cliff decided to cast off from the same position, or peg Ron used last year to land the 150 pound carp. Paul said, we caught some smaller fish, but it wouldn't, think, uh, we wouldn't we didn't think we would get a big one. Ron must have been looking out for us. The world record for a Siamese carp is 134 pounds, but the International Game Fishing Association stopped listing them several years ago as they come from protected waters. It's believed to be the first time the 180-pound Siamese carp has been caught in the lake, and it will now be nicknamed Ronnie in honor of the late angler. So they didn't kill the fish. No, they they let it go. Oh, well. Catch and release, sir.
0: All about that.
1: So, there you go. that's <laughs> what's happening in your world the past couple weeks. And as Chad alluded to earlier, we are going to talk about Dogmen tonight. Dogmen. But specifically, once again, keeping it local. Just ones in Kentucky.
0: This is true. And there are a lot of sightings of Dogmen in Kentucky or Barillas or... <laughs> werewolves, up. whatever you want to call them.
1: Now, same way, you know, last show I mentioned that my knowledge of ghosts comes from basically one or two places, that being Ghostbusters and Beetlejuice.
0: Certainly, it works exactly like that.
1: All right. Well, my knowledge of dogmen and werewolves and the like comes from basically two places as well. And that would be uh, Monster Squad and Harry Potter. Wow. I um, know Wolfman's got nards. I'm about 50% with that. And I know the difference between a werewolf and an Animagus, Chad. It all sounds like something to do with Transformers to me and Jig- Jiggery. And pokery. Ultra Magnus. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, so in in starting, this is the, this was a topic that you kinda wanted to do. I did a little research on it just to find out what, what a dogman is, but there's all kinds of canine cryptids. There are. Uh, I didn't I was unaware of that. And so I guess in order of gonna kill me, ness I mean, first off, you've got Gizzy, your your dog, which, <laughs> yeah. you know, not going to do anything unless you keep food from her. Well, even then, I don't think she'd do much. She gets scared really. So you've got a good old domestic dog. hmm Then step up, you've got like dingoes and wolves
0: and... Well, don't forget coyotes are somewhere in between there.
1: Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So coyotes, then you step up to wolves and dingoes and African dogs and hyenas and lots of wild dogs but even as uh <laughs> even as uh,
0: scary as some of those can be you get into the uh, dog man barilla, all that sort of stuff Pretty well, creepy. I say
1: well then you know your step up from that would be what do they call just a demon dog he just kind of runs around and stares at you and means something's bad that's gonna happen so then then once you get above demon dog that's where you get dog men werewolves mm-hmm. so which one which one would be worse? honestly are they the same
0: well no i mean every encounter with a demon dog it's it's just that it's a demon dog it's a dog that's very scary and i haven't seen too many stories where the demon dogs have actually attacked and killed a person now they've scared the crap out of people they've left their mark but i think the dog men werewolf-style creatures I think would be a lot more terrifying, especially with some of the encounter stories that I've
1: heard. What I what I, the, what the I've found about a dog man that kind of helped me out was a uh, little thing here. And a lot of it was uh, talking about Linda Godfrey, which I guess if you know anything about Paranormal, she's the go-to for any kind of... Beast of Bray Road. Exactly. Beast of Bray Road is what they call the uh, dog man in Wisconsin. Mm. In Michigan, he's the dog man in the southwest they like to call them skinwalkers mm-hmm. and werewolf is a worldwide term dogman phenomena has become much more commonly known through the paranormal community since since the advent of popularity in bigfoot investigating
0: mm-hmm.
1: so i did not know that that a lot of people believe that dogmen are kind of an offshoot of bigfoot just with a snout
0: well that's true because apparently there's there's supposed to be four categories of Bigfoot.
1: Okay, well, hang on. Let, let, let me finish this one, then we'll go through all okay. Through that. Okay, <laughs> okay. Most commonly, the dog man is six feet or taller. He has pointed ears, has a dog-like snout, has red eyes and little spindly legs, and leaves dog-like footprints. Your traditional believers think that he is just a werewolf. They see the phenomena as something either psychological, a man acting as a wolf in some sort of lycanthropic mental illness, or literally overcome by some curse or disease that makes him wild and transformative. Uh, Skeptics will tell you that people are just seeing dogs or bears, or seeing somebody in the woods that they just interpret as a dog. Some will tell you that he's a shapeshifter, he's a man that can take on the spirit form of an animal. And like I said, Bigfoot believers sometimes tell you that he is just a type of Bigfoot. Chad? Yes? What is a dogman? Well, it depends on what you
0: think you saw when you uh, saw your dog man. Now you'll have people that go with the paranormal, like the skinwalker. It's someone who shapeshifts. That's usually the belief system in a lot of Native American cultures. There's the dog man that looks like your traditional werewolf. It Basically, it's a giant oversized wolf creature that walks on two legs like a man. Sometimes it will either have hands or paws that it will use just like a person would. They even talk about them turning doorknobs.
1: Oh, no. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, can you imagine a seven foot tall like wolf basically just strolling up to your house in the dark and trying to jiggle the handle to get inside? Um, they do show some really high intelligence. Now, the Bigfoot connection is usually when you get into, there's supposed to be four categories of Bigfoot, but one does have a pronounced snout, and they say that uh, those are the ones that they call the also the barillas, where it has a head that's dog-like, but it has a body like a gorilla. It's more like what you would think of when you think of your traditional Bigfoot body, where it has the big, broad shoulders, the very muscular uh, body structure—it's kind of like an ape. The arms are longer, but it doesn't have that canine body. So if you just put a dog mask on a Bigfoot, I, I would guess. Yeah, since I haven't seen <laughs> anything like that myself, would prefer. So Bigfoot not could to. go out for Halloween as a dog man. Sure, why not? Interesting. Lon, Lon Chaney Jr. Bigfoot.
1: What we're talking about tonight are a couple very specific examples of the Dogman?
0: There are. I'd like to, of course, we're covering the ones in Kentucky, because Kentucky is very uh, odd, very active.
1: <laughs> oh, sorry. With Dogman <laughs>
0: encounters, the first one I wanted to talk about is uh, the Erlanger werewolf. Erlanger, Kentucky. Now, to me, Erlanger is a place where packages get shipped, and Radio <laughs> Shack used to have the repairs done for their equipment in Erlanger. But this is the Erlanger werewolf. In the early morning of Good Friday in 2008, something very strange happened in northern Kentucky. A mysterious sighting of a creature in Erlinger, Kentucky, many people asked, could it have been a werewolf? The Erlinger werewolf is believed to be around seven feet tall, walks upright like a human, but with an obvious hunched back and abnormally long arms. It has a tremendous amount of hair and a very long snout like that of a dog or wolf.
1: Now... With a dog man, that the people that say he's a werewolf, do mm-hmm. do they take into account that they've seen him not when it's a full moon? I don't know that people
0: necessarily take that into account. I think they're just calling it a werewolf because of what we've seen in movies. Uh-huh. Um, if you think along the lines of like the howling or dog soldiers, this is kind of like the... I guess the the physical description.
1: Now, if we if we go with non movie werewolf uh-huh. and actual, he may be out there, real life werewolf. Is that still part of the the lore of the werewolf? Is the full moon?
0: I wouldn't think so in this case because people see it during the day.
1: Uh, people see. Well, it. I mean, what I'm getting at is is that actually a thing? Is that just a movie? Uh, story about the werewolf that that's he, just, he has to be uh, only under light of full moon. That's by, just a movie thing. it's
0: blah blah blah. You can you can thank Universal Studios for that one. Launching. Yeah. yeah. Um. I mean, there are certain aspects to the werewolf legend that they did take, like Junior. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. They they do take things like silver hurts supernatural creatures, so that's where they integrated silver into it. I think somewhere there is something that talks about wolf Spain and werewolves but the whole full moon phases of the moon thing that's that's hot wood. It, that doesn't exist I think that might have happened in underworld <laughs> and werewolves were people that were in league with the devil ah people that were just genuinely evil with the dogmen creatures I mean they're genuinely creepy uh, people have had very strange encounters they show a weird intelligence that's human-like people feel threatened whenever they see them
1: well yeah (laughs) well not
0: just like i saw something weird it's like it intentionally makes its presence known and wants you to be afraid
1: you're talking black-eyed kids feel afraid yeah like Ah. like
0: that like i need you to be afraid because i get something out of it
1: and that's the erlinger we're erlinger what part of, Do you know what part of Kentucky is that in?
0: It's northern. It's uh, like if you're driving up towards Cincinnati. Can't go to Kings Island anymore. You're attacked by a werewolf on the way. You might get Dog Man attacked on your way there. Or Dog Man. Yeah. He shows
1: up,
0: <laughs> rolls down the window, reaches in.
1: Well, that's why you carry some pepperonis with you. Good oh.
0: boy. He's a good boy. <laughs> a little scratch Look behind the ears. Show.
1: Oh, he's such a good son of a... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we have him. Do you have another one?
0: I do. I actually, when I was just talking about the Barilla, now the Barilla, uh, before Dogman got to be so prevalent and we heard that term so much, I'd heard about the Barilla quite a bit in Kentucky. Between Louisville and Lexington, there's an area in there where there's a lot of Barilla sightings. And to me, the Barilla is really, it's not as... Creepy as the dog man, but the barilla seems like it put a lot more hurting on you, if you, got a hold of <laughs> you. I don't know why, just the gorilla with the dog head aspect seems like it might be pretty bad. Um, but for about 70 years, a tall biped wolf like creature has been making regular appearances in rural Kentucky. This creature is known as the barilla. The name barilla derives from a description given by the first witness to go public with his sighting in 1972. While being interviewed by the media, he stated the creature looked like a cross between a bear and a gorilla. It was dubbed the Barilla by the press. <laughs> Catchy. Boy, they were smart. <laughs> Those are smart newspaper people. It is most often seen in the Gateway region of the state. The Gateway is the area located between the flatlands of the Bluegrass region and the mountains of eastern Kentucky. For this reason, it is also referred to as the Gateway Werewolf. So yeah, when so you he, see
1: him... He leads to
0: bigger cryptids. No. <laughs> Actually, you'll see the box he came out of, and it's like a cow. Oh. Oh. Wow. (laughs) Did you get that? Gateway? Unfortunately. No. So, most witnesses described as being basically the same type creature that has been spotted in the northern states, except the barilla is always described as having a white or a silvery gray coat. Distinguished werewolf. It is probably made of Dalmatians. It is close to the height of an average man, with its arms and legs being similar in proportion to that of a human. The hands, or forepaws, that's his gang name. Forepaws? (laughs) Forepaws. Are said to have long, curving, sharp claws. The feet, judging by footprints, are said to be elongated and somewhat human-like, but with shorter toes in a configuration more like that of canine. The most striking feature, according to witness accounts, is its elongated muzzle with large protruding canine teeth, and pointed incisors. This wolf-like creature also has a tendency to be much more aggressive than its northern cousins. Hmm. There have been several instances of aggressive behavior towards humans, from this creature to involved actual attacks, both required treatment at local hospitals. The first attack and first report of this creature in Kentucky occurred in Johnson County in 1944. Here a teenage boy almost had a fight to the death with a beast over a string of fish, The boy reported he had been fishing along a small stream and had a considerable number of fish on his stringer. He stated that as he was preparing to leave, when a wolf-like creature ran up from the creek bank and attempted to take his fish, it was described as being silvery gray and standing about six feet tall. The boy attempted to keep the fish, but he was soon overpowered and the creature made off with his catch.
1: What the heck? Really? If some big crazy dog-looking werewolf thing comes up and wants the fish, by all means, take my fish. Yeah, Captain Um, Captain D's a lot safer. Yeah, what the heck, man? He can have those fish.
0: Crazy kid. The boy was treated at a local hospital for deep lacerations and shock. The story was never made public, but information on the incident was leaked out by one of the attending medical personnel on duty at the time. The second attack occurred in 1972 along Hingston Creek in Bourbon County. Here, an early morning squirrel hunter was attacked and suffered several deep lacerations across the back and legs. The unfortunate hunter stated he was attacked from the rear and was pushed down on the ground. The hunter did not get a good look at the creature. He only saw its hands in a few brief flashes of the rest of the body. He described it as white or silver with hands that were basically like a human's, only with much longer fingernails, and they were covered in white hair. The creature then proceeded to basically... Bounced him up and down the hunter credits his escape <laughs> from a possible real death to playing dead the horrified victim could not think of any possible way he could have provoked the attack he stated it just came out of nowhere and jumped me this <laughs> werewolf like creature also seems to have an uncanny ability to escape pursuers after the attack on the hunter a local group of men formed an old-fashioned posse and went into search for the attacker
1: no oh, it's on now Torches, guns, dogs. Pitchforks. Yeah, probably (laughs) pitchforks.
0: Around dusk, the group with assistance from hunting dogs seemed to have cornered the creature in an old barn. When the men and dogs attempted to enter the barn, dogs cowered down and whimpered in fear. The (laughs) posse then decided to surround the barn and wait for daylight. Next morning, the dogs rushed in without showing any fear. To everyone's surprise, the barn was empty. Whatever frightened the dogs the night before was now gone. None of the hunters reported seeing anything leave the barn. The only signs anything that had been in the barn were what appeared to be claw marks on the wall of the barn. It appears the creature had climbed to the top of the barn and simply vanished. Huh. The last known (laughs) sightings in the Gateway area occurred in 1999 near Moorhead, Kentucky. A couple observed two of these creatures standing in a clearing near Highway 60 when they attempted to photograph the unusual duo. Both creatures bared their fangs and emitted low growls. Needless to say, the couple fled the area immediately. Well, I mean, yeah. Well, sure. <laughs> I think I would have probably left. These creatures also seem to inhabit the areas around Ashland, Kentucky. Like their northern counterparts, these entities seem to enjoy hanging out in graveyards.
1: Huh, really?
0: Mm-hmm. In the 1980s, the Ashland Cemetery was a hot spot for sightings of a werewolf-like creature. It was often seen running between the headstones and jumping the wall surrounding the cemetery. The witnesses all commented that the creature had incredible leaping power. It is said to have taken great joy in chasing humans and at one point actually cornered two lawmen sent to investigate a sighting. The startled lawmen stated that the creature came within 30 feet of them and paced back and forth between headstones growling. The creature eventually got bored with harassing the officers and wandered back into the cemetery. The remarkable leaping power of this beast was again demonstrated on a lonely green up county road um, in 2001. A couple driving separate cars encountered the creature running down the road toward them. Instead of going around the cars, it simply leaped over both and continued its journey down the road. The last Barilla sighting occurred in eastern Kentucky in 2005. A homeowner turned on his porch light to investigate a strange noise. He was startled to observe what he first thought was a child, but after he got a better look, he decided this was no child, at least not a human one. He described it as being about three feet tall, covered with hair and having a dog face. Wait, three feet tall? Three feet tall. I thought he was like seven. Well, they think this one was a baby. Uh, um. It's a baby. <laughs> uh, it was. It made a hasty retreat when it realized it had been discovered. The sighting in 2005 was the last reported werewolf encounter in Kentucky. Did they die, move away, or are they still lurking in the woods? Only time will tell.
1: Huh. So what do you think about that? And where's that one at?
0: That one Barilla. was in eastern Kentucky. And this is the Barilla creature. Okay, so we've
1: rolled out northern Kentucky and eastern Kentucky now. That i not going but to. you
0: don't want to go? No. At night? No. Preferably you know, convertible? <laughs> Top down? No. Oh. Wimp. So how do you feel about the dog man so far and Barillas and all these Cryptids that are more canid in their appearance.
1: Yeah, there's sightings, and it's it's another. It's like Bigfoot. There's they're all over the place. There's mm-hmm. not. I mean, we're talking about a few that are in Kentucky itself, but if you get to look, and there's there's some up north. There's some in the south. There's some Midwest. There's some out east. There's west, and pretty much every continent on the planet. Mm-hmm. So. To me, it's another Bigfoot-like thing. For there to be that many reports by that many people, not every one of them can be crazy people.
0: Now, let me ask you this. Now, some of the stories I read where these people were attacked, they're kind of old. You know, 30, 40, 60 years ago, you get back and there's some of these older accounts. But don't you think that it's kind of odd that the Dogman encounters have been increasing in the last, say, 20 years. There's been a lot more people seeing Dogman. There's been a lot more people getting attacked by Dogman. Do you think somehow we're encroaching upon it's, natural habitat so it's just heading out and going to the local like trailer trailer park
1: park. are we getting all environmental here and we're going to talk about how deforestation is causing dog man attacks i mean it's our own fault let me tell you something
0: (laughs) if i can skip on cutting down a few trees to build a new housing project and it keeps dog man from coming up to you know the window and peeking at night i think i'm okay with
1: that dog man in your trash cans and yeah that is true Going going back with the, you know, you were saying that most of the encounters and stories are older, well, 40s, 50s. S- some are. Well, a lot of yeah. them. Why is it we, with, with everybody being glued to their little computer slash smartphone slash camera slash video camera anymore that everybody and their brother has 12 of them in their pocket, why haven't we got any good Bigfoot pictures or Dogman pictures or...
0: Well, Chupacabra. I mean, you run across a few good-looking items on the on the web. Where, but where have you been you looking? Can't, you can't trust that anymore. Where have you been looking? There are actually some really good Bigfoot videos that are on Photoshop. YouTube. No. Photoshop. There's a couple in there. There's one with a lady that's turkey hunting, and a couple comes strolling across there, and Ooh. like they look like they're carrying deer carcasses over their arms like jackets. You know what that one is? One of them.
1: Turkey hunters wearing ghillie suits. No, right.
0: No, and I'll tell you why. Or deer, whatever. I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Because after they go strolling out with these deer carcasses like they're a, a dinner jacket hanging over their arm, one of them reaches down to a boulder and it looks like a baby crawls up on its arm and gets on its on its back or its shoulder and goes strolling out of the woods. So there's baby Bigfoot, mama Bigfoot, daddy Bigfoot, and Deer Burgers, they're they're heading out. But, I mean, it's it's a pretty impressive <laughs> looking video. If somebody faked it, they did a good job.
1: All right, I'll give you that. Okay. there. I mean, I have seen some here or there that are compelling. Mm-hmm. And I have seen some that make you go, that's why skeptics don't believe. I, I
0: kind of wish that, uh, this is going to sound really ridiculous, but I kind of wish that, people had as many recording devices in their hands back before digital as they do now. So you had all these people with these film cameras and stuff when it'd been a lot harder to fake it. They were catching these same scenes, but back in the day, it, because you just, it, it was a lot harder for you to go in there and say, okay, so now we're going to, you know, put Bigfoot in right here or whatever. You, you just couldn't do it with the, <laughs> with the footage you had unless you wanted to green screen it and, you know nobody with a handheld 8mm camera was going to be able to go through all that we might have gotten a lot of a lot more encounters that were filmed but unfortunately people just weren't carrying recording devices like that around like they are now with a smartphone everything's right there in your hand but who's not paying it
1: well yeah i th- i know where you're going and that's exactly yeah. what i just thought is even though there are a bazillion smartphones in the world now everybody has their freaking face glued to the screen on it so i mean dogman could walk up behind you that's right. And so go oh, excuse you're, me. You're, and like go around you and like take off. No you're not gonna know. I saw you're on grinder. I'm on grinder
0: too. <laughs> those millennials and
1: their millennials get out of my yard.
0: Their apps. <laughs> them and their them and their dang blasted apps, those kids. But uh Oh, do you have any more for I've, us, Chad? I've got one more oh, and I want to share.
1: Is this the big one? I think this
0: is the big one. Oh. This is the Beast of the Land Between the Lakes. No. Now this one's got a lot of history. For hundreds of years, the area between the Tennessee and Cumberland Rivers at the westernmost edge of Kentucky has been said to be the home of a terrifying, unnatural creature. The Beast of the Land Between the Lakes is said to resemble a gigantic half-man, half-wolf that walks on two legs and has five-fingered human hands ending in vicious claws. The creature is said to stand over seven feet tall with massive crushing jaws, glowing red eyes, and even, some say, a taste for human flesh. (laughs) The lakes themselves are a relatively recent addition to the land between the lakes, but the rumors of a strange beast inhabiting the area go back to the earliest days of the European incursion into western Kentucky, and some even say back to the days when the land was Shawnee and Chickasaw territory early accounts from french explorers and traders in the region speak of them being warned of the shadowy presence of a loop by shawnee fur traders a later legend claims that the monster is the spirit of a shape-changing shawnee shaman who was killed in wolf form by the inhabitants of his village for abusing his powers his spirit is said to still walk the woods in search of revenge
1: revenge you know that's a dish best served cold
0: that's what i've heard
1: What our Klingon friends (laughs) tell.
0: Did you? uh... (laughs) Well, you never appreciate Shakespeare until you've read it in In his original Klingon. Klingon, I know accounts of the creature from the early days of American expansion into Kentucky. Tale of hunters disappearing in the woods and of storage, and of storage. (laughs) What the? Who wrote this? I don't know. It says hunters disappearing into
1: the woods and of storage. And of storage. Well hey. Maybe it maybe it was the beast from the land between the lakes. It those claws kind of keep her from typing it well. It was the
0: it was the beast of U Haul <laughs> or Pods. Accounts of the creature from the early days of American expansion into Kentucky, tale of hunters disappearing in the woods, a natural howls that echoed through the forest at night. At this time, bison still roamed wild, and, Kentucky, and hunters would sometimes encounter mutilated carcasses of these massive animals, lying half-eaten in the deep grass, their throats ripped open by massive claws. Even now, with the efforts to restore the bison to Kentucky, the rangers and herd managers occasionally find calves missing. After one of the young goes missing, the herd is reputably spooked for days, sticking together in the close formation that the animals use to protect themselves from predators. What
1: are you clicking for?
0: That's my bad predator. Oh,
1: click. oh I get it.
0: Whatever the hell they do. The, <laughs> pre- the predator. Uh, yeah, <laughs>
1: there you go. Oh, there wow. have been
0: several reports of close encounters with the creature in modern times. One of the most frightening of these happened to a group of Murray State University students who were camping in the land between the lakes in 1973. A group of young men were enjoying the woods on a warm spring weekend sitting around a fire built by their vw microbus well, Nice. they were cool and just generally having a fine time as the evening began drawing in one of the students went off into the woods to answer the call of nature when he returned to the campsite he told his friends that he'd felt like something was watching him and that he had heard something sniffing in the woods <laughs> <laughs> his friend said he, that he'd just heard a wild hog or some other animal One of his friends suggested maybe a little bit better personal hygiene. No, I just made that up. The student (laughs) said he had never heard anything like it before, and he grew increasingly nervous as the darkness gathered. He'd
1: never heard anything sniffing before? Apparently not. Oh, well,
0: okay. Sometimes you don't want to be out in the woods with your vayner out and hear the sniffing. Vayner sniffing. That's so sad. (laughs) Wiener sniffle, Right Mm -hmm. As the night grew dark (laughs) The group started to hear The shuffling sound Of something large Moving in the fallen leaves Seemed to be circling Their campsite Moving incredibly swiftly The boys began To become anxious They shined their flashlights Into the woods In the direction of the footsteps But saw nothing Then the howling began
1: (laughs) Is that like the quickening? No Exactly. (laughs) It was
0: a wild, insane howling, like a wolf, only much louder than any wolf could ever be, and with an unnatural blood-curdling quality that made the howling sound almost like mocking laughter. (laughs) It seemed to come from everywhere around them, first one side of the circle of light, around the fire, and then from the other. Soon the terrified campers began to catch glimpses of a pair of glowing red eyes as they ran past in the dark. The terrified boys retreated into their Volkswagen bus and wisely decided not to stick around to get a better view. <laughs> Tearing down the road they soon saw they were being pursued by a massive shadowy figure that was racing behind them, barely visible in the bus's taillights. As the bus slowed to take a corner they felt a massive jolt, and it seemed as if something was holding the Volkswagen back. Really? Well, that's pretty it's pretty badass, but Volkswagens aren't that powerful. <laughs> um, giving it everything they broke free and tore out of the forest and didn't stop until they were back on the Murray State campus back on campus they found four deep gashes like claw marks torn into the metal of the engine compartment cover at the back of the bus <gasps> Sabertooth. I think it's kind of funny that a German vehicle was attacked by a the werewolf <laughs> <laughs> the werewolf attacks
1: a Volkswagen werewolf the there probably the werewolf <laughs> their castle there he is Where exactly is land between the lakes? That's western Kentucky, right? Well, it's between Tennessee and Kentucky.
0: It's the uh, area between the Tennessee and Cumberland Rivers at the westernmost
1: edge of Kentucky. Can't go north, can't go east, now I can't go west. You'll
0: be fine. I've got uh, another story here. Another wildly circulated story tells of the discovery of a bloody scene inside the motor home of a family camping in the area in the 1980s. Police are said to have found the horribly mutilated bodies of a visiting family lying in their blood-soaked motor home, and the half-eaten body of the family's young daughter lodged in a nearby tree. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty freaking weird. The bodies are all said to have borne distinctive massive claw marks. The incident was supposedly covered up by the authorities as to not to damage the tourist industry in the then economically fragile region. Evidence for the encounters with the beast between the lakes continues to this day. Experienced hunters shy away from the area, but the sportsmen who are new enough to the area to scoff at the legends often come with tales of feeling as though they're being stalked in the woods. Deep holes like nests are often found dug into the woods, with tufts of long, coarsely textured brownish fur found within them. Rangers in the park are routinely asked what the strange howling was that campers hear during the night. The beast seems to remain a shadowy supernatural presence. It's been around for hundreds of years, but it doesn't seem to be getting any older. It seems like it has some kind of spectral existence, avoiding firm detection in the well-traveled area for such a long time but that it also can be solid enough to do some very real harm. Whatever the beast between the lakes is, wherever it came from, it seems like it will remain a mysterious, threatening presence in the woods of western Kentucky, one that you may be lucky or unlucky enough to encounter some dark night in the land between the lakes.
1: Kentucky's a scary place.
0: Apparently if you uh, want to get mauled by a dog, man.
1: (laughs) Uh, I
0: would not. No. No thanks. Mm Mm-mm. Nope, I I can honestly say that if it was a giant dog monster,
1: dog monster, <laughs> I don't want anything to do with
0: it. Dogman's pretty creepy, and you know, getting back to the um, the cover up thing. Um, now this is gonna this is gonna veer off a little bit into conspiracy theory. Uh, I do listen to some other podcasts. <gasps> I do okay. one's called Sasquatch Chronicles. They get a lot of guests, and they get a lot of information that talk about national parks. National parks are a big moneymaker for the government. And basically, if you went and told people, like if the government came out and said, hey, go to the park, have a good time. We've we've set up all these shelters and things for you, enjoy it. (laughs) Have
1: fun getting mauled.
0: But by the way, (laughs) when you go to the park, we're not liable for any giant monster's that would possibly abduct you, your children, and eat you while you're in the park. Here's your pass. Have a good time. When I listen to this show, they talk to people that have been in the military. And actually, they and I've heard this from a lot of different people. They have special ops programs where if people start disappearing in a park, they bring in a team to take out creatures, be it Bigfoot, nice, Dogman, whatever. They get the bodies out of there, and they do pretty much just cover it up because it would cause mass panic, hysteria, and it would ruin the camping, fish, game, wildlife. I mean, who would go out there, except for crazy people, if you knew that you probably wouldn't come back in these areas? Oh, exactly.
1: Well, that's like uh, you always hear. If the government came out and said, hey, yeah, guess what? There's aliens. We've known about it forever. Yeah. You, in the grand scheme of things, guess what? I'm going to work tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, nothing's really going to change other than I go, okay, there's aliens. Cool. You know what? If they came out and said, hey, guess what? There's a bloodthirsty dogman thing that's running around, and he may get you. That may change me going to work.
0: Yeah. So, I, yeah. I don't think I'd want to live anywhere outside of a city at that point. If I really had an experience where one came up, was shaking the door handle, you know. Well, here's another story. I don't have all the details of it, but the exact details, because it was a story that I actually had uh, read in one of Linda Godfrey's books. There was a couple that lived in a rural property that had a large cornfield, and they had basically like it was a pond or small lake that was on the property. And they were sitting out on their porch one night, and they kept getting this creepy sensation That something was there near them watching them. They had these big spotter uh, floodlights. They had security lights. And they flip them on and there's like five or six of these dog bin creatures that basically have been creeping up the entire time while they're sitting there on their porch in the dark. Wow. That are just circling them, getting ready to just come up and eat these people. Hmm.
1: So (laughs) that's pretty effed up. I don't think I'm ever going to go outside again. You don't know what's out there.
0: There's all kinds of strange encounters, strange stories, and you just never know what you might run into.
1: But you know what, Chad? Yes. I know what you're going to run into if you go to paranormalguys.com. Oh, and
0: what's that, Chris?
1: <laughs> well, it's your one-stop shop for everything paranormal guys. No, oh, is it now? In seriousness, yeah. Paranormalguys, P-A-I-R-O-Normalguys.com. And on the website, you can find all of our episodes with the complete show notes with the links to the stories and topics we do. You can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. You can see any new news that's upcoming about Paranormal Guys. You can find out all the ways you can listen to the show, which right now, Chad, we are on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn now. Nice. And
0: what's my favorite thing I'd like for people to do? Leave you alone. No. Oh. I'd like for them to send us stories. (laughs) I love stories. Now, I've read a lot of the same stories over and over again in books and seen the same stories depicted on television, but people's personal encounters of things they've run into, I really enjoy that.
1: Uh, The music for Paranormal Guys is from Eye of the Storm by William Blanchard. You can find his music and that of other talented artists at SoundClick.com. Until next time. Hope you enjoy the show. Have a paranormal weeks. (laughs)